0: gonemobile.io it's gone
1: mobile welcome back to another episode of gone mobile how are you doing today john
0: not too bad the weather's sunny how about at your neck of the woods
1: it's a little bit sticky and disgusting here but here we just call that july in in northeastern united states but thankfully this is being recorded inside um but yeah, so, you know, not a whole lot to talk about before we dig into things, but I figured we may as well give a, a quick plug to, to everyone listening to, you know, for one, if, if, if you like what you hear, um, we would definitely appreciate l- giving some reviews on whatever your podcast downloader of choice is. You know, we love reviews. If you have uh, good feedback, if you have negative feedback, you know, we take those too, but privately. Uh, but we definitely want to hear what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear about on the show. If you have ideas for, for shows that we haven't done yet, things that you would love to see covered ideas for guests, um, definitely feel free to reach out on, on Twitter at, at gone Mobilecast or through gonmobile.io. Um, we're definitely listening. Uh, so, so we definitely want to hear from you, but, um, you know, without further ado, let's just get into things here. So, so I'm happy to welcome Alex Fishman, uh, from Bugsy to the show. How's it going, Alex?
2: Hi, everybody. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Oh, it's our pleasure. Um, and this is, you know, it's a topic that we've sort of gone, we've covered a little bit in different directions and, and different capacities on the show, uh, just because there's a lot of different solutions out there for it, a lot of people trying to tackle it in different ways, um, which lends me into to a good place to start, probably, which is, you know, given that the the market for for mobile app monitoring tools and crash reporting tools is like there's a lot of options out there i'm, I'm wondering what drove you to to want to enter that market
2: absolutely yeah so it's a wonderful question so uh, basically the reason we decided to go into that space is there are indeed a lot of solutions that are doing crash reporting out there but uh, most of them focus on the fact that they show you the line of code where your app had crashed so you see that you're dividing by zero Uh, But you're not often sure how you got there in the first place why that variable is zero in the first place and that got us thinking like How can we help to figure out what actually had caused the app to get to a certain scenario and uh, uh, The best way to figure out is basically if you were able to be there with the user and see what they were doing and exactly their system And we started thinking about similar to a black box on an airplane that sits there and records everything at all times during normal operation of the flight. Flight goes well and everything's fine. It doesn't bother anyone. But if something went wrong, then the black box had already recorded everything, right? And you're able to go and replay to figure out what actually had caused the problem in the first place because the black box was there to record during the normal operation. So you actually preempted the problem by recording everything. So that's basically the idea for BugZio. We said like if we were to able to implement a black box that sits in your app and records absolutely everything, including the video screen of the sorry, the app screens of the user, including touch events, all the network communication, console log, absolutely everything at all times. Keeps the last one 60 seconds. So you basically don't run the, the space on the phone. It doesn't stream anything. It stores everything locally for 60 seconds. And then if something were to happen, whatever you define as a problem, you always have the past 60 seconds to be able to replay prior to the problem. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, so can you dig into a little bit more the different things? Like you mentioned, you record basically everything. So what are all of the major things that you're recording and you know how do you how do you work about storing that and how do you deal with all of that data and and the importance of different pieces of it
2: absolutely so we record uh, multiple things so number one we record all the videos so basically everything the user is seeing right so all the app screens at all times we record all the touch events We record all the network communication between the app and your servers or your third-party service. If you communicate with Facebook or or Google or Uber, whatever it is, you communicate with your own service. We record everything, including Buddy. We record all the console log, everything your app is printing at all times. We record all the system traces, such as orientation of the phone, whether it's charging or not, whether USB is connected. Whether, what is the battery level, what is the what's the, you know, what's the current front window, all these different traces in a system. and we record it at all times, but we keep only the past 60 seconds. So it never consumes too much data storage. And the 60 seconds, I mean obviously the biggest part, portion is the video recording and we're talking about a few megabytes. so it's never really a problem. You know consider there are gigabytes and gigabytes of storage these days on phones. And uh, uh, as I said, it, it doesn't stream, it stores locally on the phone. And they always add new second, remove the 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 sixty first second, and then when there is a problem or something had happened that requires attention, these sixty seconds being uploaded to the server for the developer to take a look and replay.
1: So I'm curious, you know, you mentioned a lot uh, in passing there of a lot of different metrics that you're sort of collecting, you know, be it network stats or CPU or memory usage and battery usage and all of these types of things. Um, you know, in my experience, you know, I love like I'm a I'm a metrics junkie and I, I monitor the hell out of basically everything I do. But one of the things that can easily become overwhelming is trying to sort of piece together a lot of these different things to get something more meaningful, a more cohesive picture out of them. Um, so I'm wondering if, if you have any sort of experience or opinions there on, say, you know, some of some of those metrics are more important than others or how you can kind of tie those together to get a, a more intelligent look at, at what an app is doing.
2: Well, you're absolutely right. In reality, is you know we collect so much information in any stats there. Uh, in a given bug, 90% of the information is useless. It's not going to help you. But you never know what are the 10% that are going to be critical and crucial to be able to resolve that particular issue. That's why you have to record everything at all times. And then when you get to a certain problem, you need to find what is actually relevant to that particular issue. Uh, so what we notice with our customer and our usage is that uh, typically people start with replaying the video and trying to understand what was happening, the, what the user was seeing, what the user was doing. Then looking at the network and the console log; like those are the three things that are very easy to kind of uh, overview to get a sense what was going on. If it's a crash, then obviously we have a call stack uh, that you know that, that shows which line the uh, the app had crashed. And then uh, it depends if like it's a performance issue, then we obviously have all the the UI queues, the delays, the metrics, and all the CPU and memory, and all this kind of stuff. So you can go and kind of dig into that. But usually, customers start with video, network, and logs to kind of get an overall picture of what was going on before the problem.
0: So I think um, one of the interesting things, like I I took a look at the demo that you guys have got online and, you know, it's kind of hard to describe on a podcast with just audio, but maybe you could try and and tell our listeners a little bit, you know, first of all, they should go check out the demo because that's the best way to see it. But I really thought the way that you guys um, replay the information that you collect was kind of interesting. So how did you uh, arrive at, at what you built there?
2: Thank you. Yeah so a quick description. So if you go to bugsy.com slash demo, you can go to our demo account that shows our dashboard, what you get uh, every time you have a bug or a crash, what what our reports look like. Uh, the typical report looks like uh, there is a video uh, similar to a YouTube video in the l- top left corner where you can press play and we play back the 60 seconds of what the user was doing, you know, what they were seeing as well as what they were touching. Uh, and obviously, you can uh, pause and resume, and you can also speed up or slow down the playback if you actually want to get into details or you don't care about certain things. So you can control the speed of the video playback. And then on the right side, you have different tabs where you can see the statistics of the. If it's a crash, then you have multiple statistics there, and the and a call stack, and then obviously the network trace and a console. Uh, sorry, and the console logs, right? So you can they, they all play in a synchronous fashion, so you can see what the user was seeing at the same time what the network was communicating and then you can click on every single network traffic, a network call and see what was the response including body. And at the bottom you see different traces and we, we're trying to do a smart thing there by just hiding the traces and not changing. The so chances are they're not super critical so we sh- by default we show you the changing traces only and then there is a button that you can click all where we show all the traces that we collect they just weren't changing in this particular session of the recording. And the yeah, so that's basically how with what we show. Now it it's it took us multiple iterations to get to this dashboard. That wasn't our first attempt. There was probably <laughs> yeah, as you can imagine, we show a lot of data. It'd be impressive if it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't remotely the first one. Yes. So <laughs> uh, uh, obviously we show a lot of data, and it could be overwhelming. And this uh, you know video has this strange format that's obviously often vertical. And they, we needed to make sure that all kind of fits on the big screens and small screens, and it's intuitive. So we went through multiple iterations, and we are at our best iteration at this point, but I'm sure we'll, there will be more in the future.
1: <laughs> For sure, yeah. And, and I echo what John was saying before, but I definitely recommend going to the site and, and clicking the the live demo button because it's all just open. And it's um, I thought it was actually very well laid out and um surprisingly easy to, to digest a lot of information going on um, at once. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. I enjoyed your your analogy to the the airplane black box earlier of, you know, having this sort of record of, of what just happened in the event of a crash. Um, but I'm wondering, like, does does Bugsy only deal with uh, crash reports or can it be used to kind of monitor caught exceptions and events that you raise as well?
2: Absolutely. So, uh, so. First of all, so we record at all times, We you add one line of code of Bugsy and we record all these things that I've described before. On top of that, we give APIs for you to feed information into our recording, so we'll record your custom information. So obviously we record all the st- standard uh, system OS, but uh, information, but we give you APIs to feed information to us that are being recorded at all times. So that's number one. Now, that's been reported only upon three things. Number one, it's the app crashes. So if the app crashes on the next boot, we will package the last 60 seconds and upload to our server. Number two, there are kind of bugs that the app doesn't crash, but there is a visual problem. Let's say you see the picture didn't load, there is some misspelled text, or the UI behaving in a way that you don't anticipate, or you're just a QA manager and you're playing with your beta version and you just don't like the way it doesn't fit the the spec. So you can click a screenshot button or a shake or through a UI and just report the last 60 seconds, just uh, basically trigger a reporting manually, right? And the third v- way to upload the last 60 seconds is for a developer to decide in the code that I should never get to this position in the code. That execution tree should never happen. But if it were to happen, I want to know how did, I, uh, how did I get there in the first place. So you're able to report from code without triggering any sort of user interaction, without crashing the app, it's a very, very seamless experience. So you say, like, if this environment happens, then I want to re- see what happened and we will upload everything.
0: So is this you know a, a complete replacement for other like crash reporting tools and, and maybe are you looking at getting into like the analytic reporting space at all uh, or can we use this with you know our, our other existing favorite crash management or crash reporting tool?
2: Well, first of all in iOS there is a system limitation that allows only one crash reporting system, one crash reporting tool in a system. So they are mutually exclusive. That's actually an iOS limitation, there is nothing we can do about it. So if you choose Bugsy to use for crash reporting, you actually have to disable the other ones. There is no way around that. Uh, and that's actually the reason that you can actually disable our crash reporting because some customers that we have, you know, they're very careful at the beginning. They want to keep their own crash reporting, but they want to have video capability for the other things that I've described. So they disable our crash reporting and put a, a you know on top of their existing crash reporting. But they eventually switch to us as well because at the end they'll get the crash and they're so used to the video, but they didn't get the video in their crash. So they disable their crash reporting and they switch to us entirely. So that's number one. As for analytics, so that's the only uh, mutually exclusive element that you have in our system. Everything else obviously works on top of other tools. Uh, we have analytics. We actually started, we got into this only about two or three weeks ago. So we just released it where we show you the statistics of your usage and bugs and uh, sesh, uh, crash-free session all this kind of stuff. So we just released that. So we're it, it's a very beginning.
1: Cool. So then it's, if you're imagining this as... Uh you know, in an ideal world, uh, a full on replacement for some of the other tools out there. Like, can you can you talk a little bit about like what your reporting offering is like, like outside of the the big dashboard sort of view that we talked about that gives you that 60 second playback? Like what sort of what's your reporting offering like in terms of just seeing errors that are coming through and grouping them and doing searches and trying to get patterns that way?
2: Oh, of course, of course. So yes, yeah, so obviously, autom- a similar crashes automatically combine, and obviously we have search t- search tools that allow you to search for specific uh, kind of behaviors, specific versions, and the. Uh, different kind of uh, bugs and different keywords, and we also put in right now special attributes that you can actually uh, attach to your crashes that you can actually search afterwards as well. So yeah, we we have a very powerful search tool there that allows the developer to find the kind of issues they want to find if they're going through regression analysis.
1: Cool. So so I'd love to get um, a little more technical at this point and maybe dig into to how... Um, how you did some of these things, because uh, I think that's pretty interesting, especially to hook in at such a low level to some of these things. Like, could you speak from a technical level to, to how you're sort of getting at being able to reliably monitor things like CPU usage and memory usage?
2: Well, uh, I I will be able to get to some details, but for that you will need to have our CTO on the line. He's way smarter than me. <laughs> uh, <coughs> well. So a little bit background about uh, myself and my co-founder CTO. Uh, We both come from very deep embedded backgrounds. Uh, My co-founder CTO Dmitry, he used to work on every fourth DVD ever shipped in the world. So DVD player, right? Remember before Netflix killed the industry, Uh, there were DVDs (laughs) in this world, right? So he worked. uh, So he uh, is one of the guys who worked very. uh, uh, at the very, uh, you know, at the very low level of all the embedded uh, performance of uh, uh, all the DVDs in the world and, and he every fourth DVD in the world that ever shipped went through his hands. And I, on my end, uh, worked on every third camera, digital camera that shipped in the world. So before iPhone killed the cameras, uh, I used to be <laughs> in a camera business. And uh, again, we both come from very low-level embedded environments, as well as as you can see, both in DVD and in, and the in, in the sorry in cameras, there's imaging and video. So that uh, comes very very handy. And in, in in today's day and age, where we, we deal with it and in bugging. so let's start with with video. So there are three ways that are known today to record video in iOS. So number one there is known APIs and public APIs that you can use but the problem with them is that they are very slow and they slow down the UI and that obviously makes it unusable in the live apps and so yes you can use it but even in testing it doesn't work because even if you do it in the internal testing, then it slows down the UI. you actually actually testing a different app. So the, that actually doesn't right. work in any shape or form, right? So the legal APIs that Apple allows you to use just simply not going to work for you for our needs. The second way to record a video is using illegal APIs, and they will obviously work, and they obviously will not slow down the UI. The problem with them, they will not pass Apple certification, and you won't be able to publish it to the App Store. So that, that can work for you for a... Excuse, uh, for the testing purposes, but you can't use it in the live app uh, ex- uh, case. And the third way is uh, if you take the, the, the public legal APIs that you use and use them in a way uh, that are unintended, which means you basically use it not in a main thread. And as a result of that, it actually will not slow down the UI, but will eventually, occasionally crash the app. And the reason for that is because a, a UI kit is not thread safe. That's basically what's going on. So the the, the 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 API that grabs the screen it's part of the UI kit, and if you run it not in the main thread, it will eventually occasionally crash the app. Which again will work in testing environments, but you cannot really release it to the app store. So those are three ways that are available today to record the app screens in the in code. And uh, we have developed our own force way, and this is our IP that uh, we we guard very carefully that uh, passes all of these requirements, which means it does not slow down the UI, it passes all Apple certification, you can publish it to the App Store, and it doesn't impact the user in any shape or form, and we're able to record high-fidelity video up to 10 frames per second in live apps.
0: So this is uh, then I think safe to say that it it doesn't degrade the performance of your app or it wouldn't be noticeable compared to not having it running then.
2: That's exactly right. Otherwise, nobody would use that.
0: So for the video itself, you mentioned that it's like a couple megs to store the last, you know, 60 seconds or so. um, And that when, you know, after the crash happens is when you actually do the uploading. But do you wait for things like the phone to be plugged in and charging or to be on Wi-Fi to sort of minimize the impact that has on the user?
2: Well, uh, we have customers that occasionally ask for this kind of functionality, but that's never really a big problem because it's only a few megabytes, uh, and most people today have so so much data today, so that's not really an issue. And hopefully your app doesn't crash every minute. Right? <laughs> right, right. So, like, it's a real, a really rare case. And on top of that, we have actually a smart detection there. So, if you, it's the same crash happens over and over again, we stop uploading the video for the same very reason as well. So, if it's the same crash that's very, very frequent, it will stop uploading video anyways.
1: But we won't try and make you go into your really cool proprietary type stuff. But I'm curious if uh, you were talking mostly about iOS there, and I know you support Android as well. Were you able to kind of take the this a similar approach on Android that, that you found for iOS or did you have to kind of solve these problems very differently across platforms?
2: Well, that's the challenge with With what we're doing is because we're operating so at so such a low level of the operating system None of the things that we do is transferable So we hmm. actually have to reinvent it basically start from scratch and a, a, we had to start from scratch when we went Android so we started with iOS uh, and then, uh, you know, typically it's considered that Android is an open platform, so it's usually easier to do stuff like that. Turn out to be way more complicated in Android, and uh, unfortunately, I cannot go into details. Not because it's a secret, because I'm just not smart enough to go into details. I'm just, I'm just repeating what my CTO told me, and. Uh, And uh, yes, so for Android, we had to, you know, when it comes to network interception, video recording console, everything had to be redone from scratch because we operate at such a low level. Because think about it, we want to make it really easy for developer. What does it mean? We said like, you don't have to worry about a single thing. You just launch Bugsy and that's it. So you don't have to go and decide what you want to record. And the way I like to joke about it, you don't even have to tell the rest of the team. You just add Bugsy and it just starts working, right? (laughs) It's such a seamless experience. And for that, we have to go underneath in the the depths of the OS and record and extract everything from there without interfering with the app. And that's obviously extremely OS-dependent, right? And that's why most of the things that we do are not transferable between iOS and Android and had to be reinvented and adjusted for the system from scratch.
0: Do you want to build your Xamarin Forms apps faster and with less bugs? Or maybe you keep on getting stunned by the same old issues in Xamarin Android development. Now you can with MFractor for Visual Studio Mac. MFractor makes Xamarin app development in Visual Studio Mac much easier. Use the Xamarin Forms code analysis and generation tools to make working with Xaml a breeze. And take the sting out of Android development with resource IntelliSense or mobile-specific c code analyzers. MFractor will free up time for you to write the core app code that actually makes your business money. You can get started with mFractor today by visiting www.mfractor.com and downloading it now.
1: Do you run into a lot of problems even with just different versions of say iOS or, or especially Android, where there's such a wide swath of versions out there and uh, devices of all these different powers? Like, does that uh, cause you any grief there?
2: Of course, absolutely, that, especially in Android. So obviously, occasionally we, have, <laughs> we see it on iOS, but it's way more controllable environment. When it comes to Android, uh, all the different manufacturers out there, they uh, they customize their OS a little bit, and because again we operate at a very low level of OS uh, uh, interaction, if there is a, even a minor change there, we actually forced to you know account for that and accommodate that. So that causes uh, some grief there.
0: So moving on a little bit to a different topic. Um... One of the things that comes to mind is the security of of you guys capturing all this information. And if I have an app that, say, does, you know, payments uh, to some other provider or some kind of uh, really sensitive screens, is there a way that I can sort of block out, you know, a certain part of the app from being captured, either uh, the screen itself, the video itself, or or things like network requests that might have sensitive information in them?
2: Absolutely, this is a great question, and privacy is a big concern, and we're very well aware of that. So, hey, let's start with that. So, the, obviously, a wide variety of apps out there that, they, you know, it depends what they do. Uh, privacy could be a different topic of concern there. So, but obviously, there is payment, there is login screens, there is uh, credit cards, and there are sensitive messages if you, you know, they have any a messenger app, right? So, all of this stuff is obviously very important to us. So, the way to take, we take care of it is as following. So, number one, is we automatically detect all the sensitive fields that we deem sensitive, which is passwords and credit cards stuff like that. So they're automatically detected. Like you, as I said, you know, you add one line of code, and everything I describe is done completely automatically. Once we detect a password field or a credit card field, we cover it with a black rectangle, and it you know during the recording, so it you know it stays on the device already with a black rectangle. It doesn't hit any server. Doesn't upload. Doesn't go anywhere. Right. on top of that we give uh, uh, the developers apis to cover other other fields that they deem sensitive sensitive like for exa- for example it's a messaging app so we don't automatically detect that as a sensitive field but they say they decided they want to cover that that's totally fine or we have a few medical, Customers, obviously in the medical field, there is a lot of sensitive information and they go and cover certain areas that are not critical to understand what the bug is, but, you know, they cover the text fields with black rectangles. So, that's that's number one. So, all the videos that we record, again, they're stored locally on the device of the user and they have black rectangles covering the sensitive information, either automatically detected by us or set by the developer as they deem important. When a there is a, a trigger that, that we need to upload that obviously everything goes through ssl and the https and they store the on aws services that the our customers can access only through login password that's not publicly available you can share a public screen public link accidentally all this kind of stuff so it's all very well protected uh, on top of that, we also have uh, uh, filters for networking because sometimes not only the video but also the network traffic can may uh, contain some sensitive information. It's because we record the body, so there is JSON with can may contain sensitive information. So we also give the developers the APIs to filter out uh, sensitive information within the network body through APIs. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the. The
1: the first things that jump to my mind as a you know I deal with security stuff all the time in my day job so so I think credit cards for PCI type stuff and then I think well you know not wanting to log uh, PII or or right. sensitive information like that so, so that definitely makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, and we have a few customers, for example, in the medical space, and sometimes there there is a lot of fields that they deem very sensitive, and we don't we don't have a way of knowing that. So you know they use our APIs to cover those fields.
1: Cool. So we've talked a lot about, um, you know, a lot of the really cool things that you can do with this. Uh, we, we've mentioned iOS and Android kind of in passing, but could you, could you kind of enumerate, like, what, what platforms do you support? What, what, do, what SDKs do you have?
2: Yes. So we support iOS and Android native applications. We do support React Native and Cordova. We also work right now on Xamarin integration. We have a community build, sorry, community port for Bugsy for Xamarin. That one of our customers got excited and did that, but we haven't finished our formal support yet. So that's still in the works and hopefully it will be done in the next couple of weeks.
1: Cool, I'd be curious to, to hear like what that, that Xamarin, um integration ends up being like, because I would imagine, you know, it's one thing just to do sort of uh, a binding to the low level stuff that you have for for iOS for Android. But when you when you deal with a lot of Xamarin apps, say the network goes through a whole different layer. And and there's a lot that that actually happens differently there. So are you finding finding that you you're ending up kind of writing uh, a Xamarin specific thing instead of just being able to bind the the iOS or Android libraries?
2: And that's exactly what we're going, because as I mentioned earlier, because we operate such a low level of every system, uh, most of the stuff that we do is not transferable. So every time we start looking at a new environment, uh, we actually forced to redo a lot of things that we already have solved before. And Xamarin is uh, looking exactly like, as you mentioned, that requires a lot, a lot of redo as opposed to just binding.
1: And then for, for everything that you're uploading, you know, so, so I install Bugsy into my app, it starts uploading a bunch of crash data or videos and things like that. Is there there any ability to, to sort of export that or, to, you know, save down the videos somewhere else or kind of take the data and put it into some other
2: like reporting system or something
1: that I might have?
2: So two answers here. Number one, we obviously automatically integrate with probably 20 different bug tracking tools and collaboration tools such as Slack and Jira and all the kind of tools out there. So automatic, every time there is a new entry within Bugsy, we automatically integrate with your tools to notify you via Slack, email, Jira, or Trello, whatever you guys are using. So And every time there's a custom, new customer that asks for a new tool, we usually add it within a couple of days. Uh, as for exporting the data from BugZi, that's actually tricky because we develop our own custom formats for everything to play it synchronously, right? So the video on its own is often useless because it's synchronized with the touch events and with the network calls and with the console logs and all the traces. So uh, the data that we have is are not is not really exportable.
1: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So it's actually uh, a custom video format, and that's how you've gotten it down to, to probably something so small.
2: Yeah. And the, again, it has to play synchronously with everything else. So that's why we put it together on our dashboard.
1: Yeah. We usually like to leave this question towards the the end. Uh, you know, we describe all of the awesome stuff that the product does and, you know, all the reasons why you should use it, and then kind of get into the, the whole question of what does this actually cost to use? So, like, what is the the pricing model that you guys offer?
2: Yeah. So the, the, we have a. This several pricing one is for consumer apps and one for enterprise apps uh, and the reason we have that is because uh, what we decided to do is not to charge uh, per number of team team members so you know basically whether you had two two people in a garage or 200 people 200 employees it doesn't matter it's the same price what we do charge is per uh, installments so how many uh, people are using your app and the uh, so the idea behind that is that we will grow along with you. So if you're just starting and you're working on an app that the very few people are using or is still in development, that you know it's going to be very low price. And as you're hopefully gradually succeed and they increase your usage among your users, then we obviously will charge more because that will give you more value from Bugsy. So it starts up to five devices. It's free. And then it's $99 per month for up to 10,000 monthly active users. And then another hundred dollars for every hundred thousand monthly users. Uh, so basically, for about if you have one million monthly active users, it's about eleven $1, hundred dollars.
1: Yeah, I mean, all things considered, with the you know, especially in, when you compare it to prices of, of a lot of low-level sort of diagnostic tools like this, that's that's on the lower side, I would think.
2: Yeah, we actually get a lot of feedback like that. That's actually very inexpensive, and you know, we need we need to figure out how we process this information. <laughs> But for now, that's not our major concern right now. We want to make sure people use it and we get everything right. Because as you uh, and as one more thing, as I mentioned, so for uh, uh, and we have a slightly different scale for enterprise apps because if you have an enterprise app or like off App Store distribution, then as you can imagine, those apps never reach uh, one million users, right? So they they never get to this. So we adjust the scale to properly reflect the growth of an enterprise app. So
1: what's coming next for for Bugsy? Are there any like, big features that, that you're looking forward to or new directions
2: that you see taking the product in? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there are a few things that we released in the past six weeks, I believe. Yeah, So about five or six weeks ago, we released chat where you can actually communicate with your customers in a live chat fashion. And the, about two weeks ago, we got into analytics, what I mentioned earlier, where we actually dis- they show you different performance metrics and version adoption and the crash-free sessions of your app. So those things happened in the past six weeks. So we just released those and we started getting feedback from customers to understand which way we want to improve it and what the direction that we want to take it from there.
1: That's awesome. Well, Alex, like, is there anything that we, we missed along the way? Anything that, that our listeners should definitely know before uh, before they go hopefully poke around and check some of this stuff out?
2: Well, I think you asked all the right questions. I really appreciate a, all of that. Thank you very much for your time. And it's bugsy as in see the bug. So you like that's the idea of the video. So you see the bug, right? So bugsy absolutely and we'll
1: we'll have a link to it in the in the show notes as well as the the live demo that's on there which i definitely recommend everyone checking out but alex it's been awesome to chat with you today thanks so much thank you so much guys it's really really a big pleasure for me to be here and thanks as always for everyone for listening and we'll see you next time on Don mobile